to another episode of the Bit Beacon Broadcast. It's episode 023. I'm Ravenheart. I'm Kodax, and it's February 28th, 2024, the same day as the previous episode. Yep. If you're jumping into this one first, you might want to go listen to episode 22 first, because yep. we're kind of feeding into each other. Honestly, I'd say start with episode 21, because that leads to stuff in 22, and then that leads to stuff in this episode. And then the chain never ends. Yeah. You may as well just go back to episode yeah, 1. Yeah, start with episode 1. Yeah. Um, okay, so since we're recording this the same day as the previous episode, we're not going to have a... It's not going to be a Seraphim update, because we just gave the Seraphim update. Yeah. Um, there's not going to be an update about what we've been up to because we gave that update in the last episode, but I do want to talk about real briefly another purchase experience I had, uh, this past week. Um, I ordered GameStop over the weekend, put up some crazy sale where they had all these like normally $40, $60 games for like $20 a piece. Mm -hmm. And these are like games that generally... In these series, they go up in value significantly. They go out of print. Yep. So I was like, you know what? This is a good opportunity to get four new sealed games for my collection. Oh, I see. <laughs> and uh, so yesterday, the package finally arrives for my purchase. I ordered, uh, I believe it's pronounced Yeast or Y-S. Yeast, yeah. Yeast. Um, this is number nine in the series monstrum Knox. i picked up gal guardian demon purge this is from the creators of uh mighty gunvolt or gunvolt chronicles uh and the people who made the last couple mega man games uh Inti creates and i got two um two games from the legends of hero series trails into reverie and nyuta boundless trails and imagine my surprise having purchased four brand new games and receiving one brand new game and three games with stickers dirt residue damage to the boxes damage to the cover art and of course unsealed yeah no shrink wrap at all no shrink wrap on them we just talked about the importance of shrink wrap in the last episode. Yep. And when you buy a new game, you expect shrink wrap. Yeah, a sealed copy. A sealed copy of the game. Now, I should have known better than to order these from GameStop. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I've gone into a store before and asked for a game, and they only had the last copy left, and it's a new unopened copy right their idea of new is not our idea of new i know that from personal experience for sure so but you know i'm thinking oh this is probably coming from a warehouse mm -hmm. but clearly they shipped it from a store yeah oh yeah they just shipped directly from the i was shocked that a store happened to have all four of these games in stock yeah because they're not like 
mainstream titles. They might not all be from the same store. They probably sent it all to one store. I mean, it shipped quick. Like, within a few hours of my order, like, immediately the next morning, I had, like, your orders confirmed. Yeah, okay. Um, So, I think they actually did all come from one. It must have been, like, from some middle-of-nowhere store that, like, people aren't into these kinds of games there. You know how they put the disc in, like, a yellow sleeve sleeve and keep the case behind the counter that's got to be what that is yeah no definitely but you can feel there's like the cases are like indented and pushed in there's even like a little tear in the artwork they were on the shelf yeah this is even worse than that right yeah i'm surprised i didn't get one that had like a a printed from the internet sleeve yeah oh here's new right um but anyways this is just it was like so disappointing because what's crazy is that amazon ended up price matching gamestop sale Mm mm-hmm and so if I had waited and just ordered from Amazon, I would have got guaranteed yeah. brand new sealed copies. But in my head, I'm thinking, I want to support GameStop more yeah. than I want to support Amazon. Right. And that is a that is a good way of thinking. Unfortunately, GameStop is taking for granted the fact that, you know, they still exist. Yeah. And should be working to make themselves, you know, comp- competitive so immediately I was like, I'm going to return these and I'm going to just order them on Amazon. Yeah. But by the time I go to Amazon, all these games out of stock. Gone, yeah. Yeah, the the sale got enough people to buy them, so wiped Amazon out of their stock. I I wouldn't go that far, but I'm not as big on sealed copies. As I mean, for me, it's just I paid for new. Yeah. yeah. I want new. There's a principal thing there that yeah. I totally get. And it's like... I will open these games one at a time as I play them. Yes. But until I play them, they should be sealed. Yes. That's kind of my... That's how I do it, too. Yeah. Keep them sealed. If it goes way up in price, you have a sealed copy. Right. You know? And it's like, so anytime I'm, like, pulling out, like, a back catalog game to finally get around to playing to, if it's sealed, I do quickly go online and I'm like, okay, well, maybe I don't open this one and I get myself a used copy or something. Yeah. Um, if it's going for like $400 sealed or something. Yeah, I'll just go buy a digital copy and yeah. keep my my physical copy sealed. Right. Yeah. Um, so or yeah. sell it and get a used one. Or that, yeah. For like a tenth. Of, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, just frustrating. Wanting to support physical, wanting to support a brick and mortar physical games yes. retailer. Yes. And I go out of my way to do that and I get burnt. Do and, do better, GameStop. Yeah, seriously, guys. There's no yeah. There's no reason with the whole Game Stonks like incident that happened a few years back. They got a second wind for free. Oh yeah. You know, you think they wouldn't take that for granted? You think they would say, "Okay, this is it. This is." Yeah, they apparently have like a huge war chest. Yeah, like they're flush with cash. Yeah. Like they have. So I don't know much... what they're doing. Yeah, I don't know either because they're still closing stores. Yeah. and I'm not sure what they're liquidating games that are still brand like not that old. I like... mean, I don't mind getting a game at a good deal. No, I don't either. But yeah. remember when GameStop had Genesis and NES and stuff, and they just sold games yeah. like all games. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if they still did that. Yeah. You know, they, like they they'd be. Their whole inventory would have gone up in price with the whole speculative oh, bubble. Yeah, they would be rich. Well, they tried to start selling retro games again. Yeah. I think during the pandemic, yeah. when they they're always like late reacting yeah. to yeah. things. Like they 
they preemptively get out of a situation they should have stayed in. And mm-hmm. they always try to jump into, like, their NFT thing, which collapsed on them. I didn't even know they... Yeah, they tried, of course, to latch themselves onto that, and their whole marketplace ended up failing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they tried that. They tried to get back into retro games, and it's just all... Yeah. It's gone to heck for them. Like, just stop. Just focus on games. Yeah. Always sell games. Yeah. I... There's a lot of stuff they could do that they don't. I mean, on one hand... We talk about it a lot the the physical games, the importance of having physical media, right? Yeah, and like GameStop is the only place that like truly focuses on offering that. You yeah, know, they have a lot of distractions. You want to support GameStop if yeah. you're on our side of that cause, but when they do stuff like this, it is extremely disappointing. Yeah, it's things like I'm like, and I, even yeah. this happens in the store. Like, like he, I, yeah, I expect it in the store. I do expect it in the store. Yeah. But I thought because I was ordering enough games that it would, like, have to come from the warehouse and not an individual store. Right, right. It'd be new. Yeah. Um, but, man, yeah. I mean, at least, I guess, one came to you. I'm supposed to be grateful for that. Uh, and that was the one I actually wanted to play first. You're really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Um... Yeah, and you know GameStop charges if you you have to spend eighty dollars to get free shipping now. What? Yeah, otherwise it's ten ninety nine to ship a single game from GameStop. What the heck? What are they doing? Yeah. Like, what are they doing? I mean, I thought Limited Run had crazy shipping prices, yeah. but like, that's that's nuts. No, ten ninety nine for a single game. That they might even ship down the street for me. Right. They're just trying to make money on the shipping. Yeah. Uh, Work on getting your company to be competitive. Yeah. Because, yeah, it feels like they're almost like they want to go out of business. Right. Yeah, with some of the stuff they do, yeah, yeah, it feels exactly that way. I don't know. And maybe that's their plan. Maybe they just... Just grab as much cash as they they can can on their way way out. out. Yeah. But we're going to jump into the first big piece of news that we had uh, from last week and that we teased at the end of our last episode. It's the Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase. This was delayed due to the Xbox Xbox business update, mm-hmm. but it finally came out. People were kind of disappointed to learn that it was a partner showcase, which means that there's not really Nintendo first party titles being featured. It's just going to be focused primarily on titles from their third-party partners Mm -hmm. so temper your expectations there aren't really any megatons here there's some exciting exciting announcements but a lot of it some of it is things we already knew about yeah some of it is just like some remasters um but there is some cool things in here so this aired on february 21st i think it was about 20 minutes long um and we're just going to kind of talk about some of the games that were announced. Uh, they kicked things off fairly early on in the presentation with Disney's Epic Mickey Rebrushed. So Epic Mickey uh, was this huge... Well, at the time, it was kind of a big deal. Nintendo had it featured heavily at their press conference. They invited the game's creator, Warren Spector, out on stage to demo the game. I think yep. with Miyamoto. Yeah. I think they were, like, side by side. Um, and uh, it's a game where... You, you play as Mickey Mouse, and you have this kind of, like, paint 
system where you kind of make things disappear and reappear. You use the motion control, right, for the paint mechanic? You use the motion controls, yes. And it revolved around this story of the forgotten original Disney mascot, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Mm -hmm. And because of that game, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit got this sort of second wind from Disney. Mm -hmm. And, like, they started giving him a bunch of merchandise and, like, the theme parks and things. So it was kind of cool to see a game have sort of an effect on, like, Disney in real life. Right. Um, and so that's, that's exciting. I love that first game. I know there was a a sequel, which I did not hear so many great things about. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know that I'll be willing to drop 60 bucks on Epic. I still have my copy for the Wii. Yeah. And I can't imagine, I mean, I'm sure it will look a lot nicer. Right. Like the experience on the Wii was great, especially with the pointer. And so you like, you really felt like you were like kind of brushing and things. Right. No, I, I know that that game is, like, iconic. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, Mickey hadn't had a game in a long time. Right. I mean, Mickey, it's weird. He is almost, like, forgotten by Disney outside of, like, video games. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, he's at the theme park, sure, waving to people, but, yeah. like, they don't do anything with Mickey. Right. He's a logo. Yeah. At this yeah, point. Yeah, just, like, a walking logo. But the games are what, like, still keeps his... I mean, you have Kingdom Hearts, of course... And then the Disney Epic Mickey game brought him back in a big way. And then we've had some other smaller games here and there over the last right. few years. Right, and he goes back to, you know, World of Illusion and Castle of Illusions yeah. and Yeah, all like that stuff. even the, the latest Mickey game from last year, it had Illusion in the title, yeah. which didn't really have anything to do with those Illusion games, but right. like at least they kind of, you know, related it to that. Right. Um, another announcement was World of Goo 2. I believe they may have touched on this in the last main Nintendo Direct, but they showed off a lot more of the game, and World of Goo uh, was a Wii game, mm-hmm. I think a WiiWare game originally, Yeah. and uh, so it's kind of cool to see. It's like these old, I these older, Nintendo's like pulling out these older IPs or working with the developers to like help bring them over to yeah. like new new generation of consoles. And you know Nintendo's in their twilight years of the Switch. Right. And so it kind of makes sense that we're getting more of these kinds of titles and less of Nintendo's big first party first party titles. Yeah, right. And I, it's kind of refreshing, you know. Yeah. It's remember how many Mario related titles were in the last Nintendo oh, Direct? Oh, yeah. So n- it's it's nice to see some other third party developer titles here. Yeah, get featured and like Nintendo gives them the big stage. Yeah, and it says, "Hey, this is all you. We're not going to overshadow you at any point during this." Right. Um, but yeah, cl- clearly Nintendo is holding all of their new games for whatever is coming next. Or yeah, Switch all, at this all point. of their resources at this point are geared toward next gen hardware for sure. I mean. They must have something for this holiday season. Yeah. People are thinking maybe Metroid Prime 4 that was announced as being a Switch game, like, mm-hmm. way back at, like, the very beginning of the Switch's life cycle. Right. Um. So, and, you know, they still have the Princess Peach game, which comes out next month. The Showtime? Yeah, Princess Peach Showtime. Yeah. That comes out in March. Yep. Um, there's the Paper Mario Thousand Year Door remake that's coming out later this year. And I think there's maybe one... Oh, there, there's the remake of Luigi's Mansion 2 mm-hmm. for Switch. Yeah. Um, so there are some things coming, but yeah, none of them 
are you know like earth shattering at this point like they've right. already been announced yeah they haven't they're said not going to be else. big staple titles that are remembered in the console library yeah you know they're mostly remakes although i'm i'm excited about princess peach showtime yeah oh yeah, yeah. no there's a lot of stuff to be excited about yeah um from world of you 2 we've got penny's big breakaway now, why I'm highlighting this game is because it's behind. It's from the developers of um, Sonic Mania. Oh, oh, shoot! Though the Western team, yeah, not Japanese team that made Sonic Mania, is basically trying their hand at their own IP, but it's not a 2D side scroller. It's a like 3D Sonic esque kind of game. Okay, where you're like going around collecting not rings, you know, yeah. like it's it's sort of got some parallels to like the 3d like dreamcast kind of sonic titles is but sega involved no okay none whatsoever this gotcha. is their wholly independent venture now gotcha um and that game was a shadow drop so it's like available now oh wow yeah um like they had announced it i think last year but they released it the moment the direct went live effectively mm-hmm. cool um, and then we have Star Wars Battlefront Classic Collection. This maybe was the announcement that got me the most excited. This is not just coming to Switch, it's also coming to PS5, PS4, and the Xbox consoles. So this is a port of the original two Battlefront games from PlayStation 2, Xbox uh, generation of mm-hmm. games, or of consoles, so back like when we were in high school is when yeah. these games were out. Oh yeah, the um, Star Wars Battlefront yeah. games. Yeah, and these games, in my opinion, are so much better than the ones made by EA. Oh yeah, they don't have any microtransactions. There's no everyone's on the same playing field. There's no leveling up. Yeah, every little card, loot mess. boxes. Yeah, and... none of that stuff is in the game. Yeah, you played this game because it was fun to play. Yeah. Not because you had all these XP bars filling up and leveling right. up for every little doodad and gadget you had equipped. Premium currency. Yeah, none of that exists. <laughs> yeah. It's just fun. And these were 64-player battles. That was mind-blowing Yeah, on PS2. Yeah, right. Like, absolutely mind-blowing. And it's cool that it's not watered down. They're bringing all that back. There's even, like, they've added in some maps Mm-hmm. Uh, that were only available on like a special Xbox version of the game. Okay. So now they're going to be available on all platforms. Unfortunately, there's no crossplay mm. between like Switch, PS5, and Xbox. So you may want to consider which ecosystem you pick these games up on, because you know you got to think about okay, wh- long term, where are players going to be? Right. You know. So I don't know if. I don't know that I'd invest in it on Switch. Yeah. But, you know, PlayStation or Xbox is probably a safer bet. I would I would think PS5 if I had to pick one. Yeah. I mean, these games are really... There's a whole, like, campaign mode for these games, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're a lot of fun to play offline with bots as well. Like, yeah. you don't need... So, like, I could see it being fun to have on Switch. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. you know, be on an airplane and playing Battlefront classic battlefront but now we have the playstation portal that's true well that's hard can't do it on an airplane <laughs> i tried not. you tried we put that to science yeah we did doing the hard work out here that's right no one else was doing it <laughs> yeah like weeks after the launch like yeah. just really quickly you were yeah. on an airplane yeah. you bought a ticket just to test that out i paid for wi-fi yeah that's right um 
Okay, then we have a new Contra game, Operation Galuga, mm-hmm. which had been announced at a prior Nintendo Direct. And this is a way forward developed Contra title. It's uh, 2D side scrolling, as you'd hope from a Contra title. Cool. But, I mean, they're that's what they're good at. Yeah, it is using all 3D assets, though. Oh, okay. Again, that's what they're good at. Yeah, I will say the game look visually is not attractive really yeah like to me um the gameplay looks like it could be really good yeah but like visually it looks kind of barfy mm-hmm. well if you think of the old school contras there's a lot of green and brown yeah i just mean like i don't know i feel like it would have played better to their strengths had they gone like the hand-painted look mm, yeah. that way forward's also known for yeah true um, as opposed to uh, this 3D look, which I guess is probably less work, ultimately. Yeah. I know, like, making hand-painted games. Uh, no, nah, depends on the style of the game. Okay. Uh, like, if it's side-scroll, maybe not. Maybe you're right. But if it's anything else... Oh, yeah, like a full open yeah, world. Forget yeah, forget it. Yeah, no, It doesn't um, even compare. Um, so, I mean, I, I... Yeah, I wasn't super... Like, looking at it visually, I was kind of like, oh, I don't think this is for me. But as I was watching the gameplay from the trailer, I thought, okay, you know, that's that actually looks like a real, legit Contra game. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to remember, but I feel like they made a Contra game prior, like, years ago. Mm. WayForward's uh, touched a lot of, like, yeah. big properties over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might be getting them mixed up with something else. Um, Matthew mm-hmm. um, has been working on... Their webs, oh, their gameography page on their website. Okay, so that he's actually updated, uh, like their whole gameography. Right, Matthew, our talented composer of the Big yep. Beacon theme music, and Seraphim, and of course Seraphim. Um, he's a uh, he's working at Way Forward. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. he's employed at Way Forward. Okay, well, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if he wants me to talk about that. Well, we won't talk about it too much more than we have. But, yeah, congratulations, Matthew. We're proud of you. That's awesome. It's a shout-out. <laughs> We've shouted him out before. Oh, yeah, we have. You know what? Actually, uh, real quick, I want to give a, a shout-out after we finish this section. Don't let me forget. Okay. Um, okay, and then at the Nintendo Direct, we mentioned this in last week's episode, but Pentiment and Grounded from Xbox Game Studios are coming to Switch alongside PS5. Um, so I'll just kind of re-mention that those two were unveiled as part of the Nintendo Direct. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, here was a pretty big one. We have Shin Megami Tensei 5, which came out a couple of years ago on Switch, but now we have Shin Megami Tensei 5 Vengeance, yeah. which is an expanded version of the game. I believe it includes all the previously released DLC, as well as a brand new story route that I guess goes in like a totally different direction Mm -hmm. than the original game did you can still play through the original route on this but but you can also go the expanded route so um we choose a path type of thing yeah i'm sure choices you make through the game yeah that's how four was too yeah uh you know shimigami tensei four had the base game and then it also had the apocalypse game yeah you're right which is different from this because this is an expanded version of five mm-hmm. where shimigami tensei 4 apocalypse was like a brand new game right. altogether right like from but up. i mean even in 
Shin Megami Tensei Four, the base game, there were like multiple like oh, yeah. your dialogue choices yeah. made like there were different endings in that the game. good ending, the evil ending, yeah. etc. Um, and this game is not just coming to Switch; it's also now. Which Shin Megami Tensei Five was only available on Switch originally. Mm-hmm. Now it's coming over to PS Five and Xbox as well. Gotcha. Okay, then we have a couple ports coming up here. We have Monster Hunter Stories, which there's already... Monster Hunter Stories 2 came out for Switch a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But this is a port of the 3DS game, mm-hmm. Monster Hunter Stories, yep. to Switch. Um, and I believe this is also going to be launching on PlayStation 5, PC, and maybe Xbox? Maybe not. Um, so, yeah, the original 3DS game... Uh, was pretty well received. Players really liked it. I, I've heard from people that have played two. Like, it would be hard to go back to playing, like, one played. Because they made, like, a lot of, like, quality of life improvements from the first game. Uh, what? What? So, like... Oh, like, Monster Hunter 1 played. So, Monster Hunter Stories played. People liked it. But yeah. then when people moved on to Monster Hunter Stories 2, they were like, oh, wow, they made so many great improvements. Oh, I see what you're saying. To have gameplay. So now it's like they're re-releasing one after they just yeah. released two, like, right. a year, two years ago. Yeah. So it's like... be hard to go back. Yeah. I see. I see what you're saying. Um, still, I have yet to play two, and unfortunately, I never picked up the original Monster Hunter Stories for 3DS, and it's gotten quite expensive yeah, I bet. to purchase physically now. So this is good that there's a new opportunity for people to pick up a game. Hopefully it's releasing physically. I don't think there's been any announcement of that Mm -hmm. quite yet. Well, Capcom is always iffy. Capcom is iffy. And a lot of times, like, if they do physical, they only do it for Switch. Yeah. Especially with these more, like, kind of niches titles. Yeah. Um, And then we have a a game from Game Freak. Oh. Pocket Card Jockey Ride On. So Pocket Car Jockey originally released on the 3DS and was ported in the last year or two to Apple Arcade. Oh, what interesting. Yeah, it kind of it was like an enhanced port, like the graphics were updated and HDified, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it seems like that Apple Arcade port is going to be the one that's coming to the Switch. Okay. Yeah, so it's like a port begets another port. Yeah, I'm, that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, and so this is a game, it's like a, it's like a jockey horse racing game that mixes in solitaire somehow. So, and I've heard very, very, very good things about this game. I think it was an eShop only release originally on the 3DS. Um, and this is probably going to be a digital only release if I had to guess. Yeah. Although Game Freak has partnered with Limited Run before Mm -hmm. on a previous game. So I don't know, maybe, maybe Limited Run makes something happen here. I would love to own every game free game yeah physically if i can um so maybe 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 something like that happens and so we have two more announcements super monkey ball banana rumble so Mm -hmm. this is the first truly new from the ground up super monkey ball game in a long time yeah there have been super monkey ball games released in the last couple years but they have been like compilations of older super monkey ball games how many were there? There were like one and two on GameCube. One and two, and then I think some like party I'm pre- games. I'm pretty sure there was a handheld one. 
at one point. You might be right about that, yeah. Uh, and I know there was like a party game okay, too, yeah. like a party style game. And so those games have all been sort of ported, mm-hmm. like sort of a, a weird like mishmash ports of like multiple games into one game. There was one on Game Boy Advance, I'm almost okay. positive. All right, you, yeah. you might be right, yeah. I'm talking specifically the the main yeah. console, not the, not the handheld one so much. Uh, so this is a brand new Super Monkey Ball game. Uh, it's got the traditional gameplay style. Mm-hmm. It's what fans have been asking for. Uh, you know, they don't want like... Don't give us gimmicks. Yeah. Just give me Super Monkey Ball. Right. Give me 250 new levels of Super Monkey Ball. And that's what players are finally getting. Um, so I know that was exciting for a lot of people. That's a first-party Sega thing, right? Yeah. Yes. And then Nintendo ended the program, kind of breaking their own rule by calling this Nintendo Direct a partner showcase. Mm-hmm. Because this is a Nintendo-published title that's coming up. It's Endless Ocean Luminous. Mm-hmm. Now, Endless Ocean was a series on uh, the Nintendo Wii, where you're yeah. like a diver, just like kind of swimming in the ocean and just exploring. It was kind of a, a more peaceful game. It's not really like a crazy, intense game. Yeah, it doesn't. Not high action. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it had kind of a niche following. It's kind of crazy to see that another one's coming. This isn't developed internally by Nintendo, though. Yeah. It is being published by them. I believe it's developed by a company, Arika, A-R-I-K-A. Um. That's still a partner's game. Yeah, I guess. I mean, this would be something I think you normally see. In the Nintendo Direct. Yeah. Because it is published by them. Right. You know, it reminds me of, uh. The Another Code uh, oh, yeah, uh, remake, right. Right. which is done by Arc System Works, the people who make like fighting games and visual novels. Right. So kind of a good fit. Um, and that was in a main Nintendo Direct. Right. Yeah. But I guess they threw this in there as like kind of a like, a, hey, here's one little you know treat yeah. from us. Right. Um, and this game features something that kind of was a little out there and crazy. 30-player co-op. Like ocean what? exploration mode, Crazy. so with up to thirty people, which I think you can be like randomly matched with, mm-hmm. you can all just kind of dive into the ocean together at the same time and just Jeez. go around and explore together. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting rather than just like okay, here's here's swimming on your own. Yeah, but, I mean, a part of me was like, is this like a what do they call those Fortnite style games? Oh, uh, Battle Royale. No, yeah, yeah that's but isn't they, it like a, a drop-in hero something or another? No, I was thinking of Battle Royale. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think there's any battling going yeah, on right. in Endless Ocean. Right. Uh, but yeah, this game is like teasing being able to like explore like the deepest, darkest depths. I so. was going in like a No Man's Sky direction. Oh, okay, gotcha. When I was thinking of that. Yeah, like, the, the video they showed was, like, all the players, like, starting in the same spot together. Oh, like all oh gotcha. And then I think you just kind of venture out from there. I don't really know... I never played Endless Ocean on Wii. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really know what to expect from this. It's kind of like a... For me, it feels like a hard sell. Yeah. Like, what is this? I mean, if Nintendo's gonna, like, insert themselves, at least it's something that's, you know... Not like I'm happy for Endless yeah. Ocean fans. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like this is. I mean, I love that they're resurrecting like dormant IPs. Like that's that's exciting to me. I just don't know as someone. 
they need to do a better job, I guess, communicating, like, what's the gameplay loop? Yeah, like, right. I mean, like, is it just, like, relaxing and swimming in the ocean? Diving in the ocean? That's That's fine. Right. I think... This only works in certain circumstances, but I think not revealing the whole gameplay loop and leaving the rest to kind of intrigue yeah. is a valid, you know, you know. I way. think with some games, that does work. Yeah. Like, if, like, you show gameplay and it's some guy shooting guns and stuff, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, well, we that know, looks like fun. We know what you know, that is. It's a shooting game. Yeah. You know? I don't know the whole loop, but I, so, like, this is a swimming game. Right. Swimming games aren't really a genre. Right. You know? Yeah. And, but again, though, they could show you something that just looks cool. Yeah. You know, and then end it there. Right. And I still think that's valid. Yeah. No, I mean, and I, I just, I just, me personally, well, like on one hand, I'm thinking of the game, like, okay, there's no way they're going to make a bunch of copies of this game. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Right, right. So it's like, one day, on one hand, I'm like, I need to be there day one for this. Right. Because I don't want to, like, not have a copy of it if it's like it ends up being really good, you know? Right. But on the other hand, I'm like, is anyone even going to buy this? Right. Should I just wait for a discount? Mm-hmm. Um, which feels messed up to talk about because, like, clearly there's, like, developers, like, pouring their yeah time and effort and, like, passion into this game. Yeah. I guess I just don't, I'm uninformed. Right. It's uh, and you're right. I don't there, know, it is night. You don't necessarily want to be fully informed right. about everything. Yeah, I I understand where people are coming from. I kind of uh, there there's an obsession I think in the market of needing needing to know. I gotta you know I gotta I gotta know everything. I gotta know the gameplay. Yeah. Loop. If I don't know what it is, but can't. A developer or a publisher just show you something cool and then let you wonder what it is or let yeah. you guys speculate on Twitter what it is. Well, yeah, we're going to have a discussion about something like that in a second Okay, here. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, they did show gameplay of Endless Ocean. It wasn't, like, completely ambiguous. Right. I'm just like, so I just log in and I go swimming for an hour? Like, I mean, that's okay yeah. if that's what it is. Right. Yeah, I just wonder, are you, like, doing... I, and I think maybe they showed some... I think there's, like, maybe, like, tasks and, like, research. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, like, a biologist or something. You That's know? cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess there there's probably, like, a mission structure. Yeah, or I'm sure like it's that. not just swimming open world. I mean, there might be, like, a free swim mode. No direction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what Minecraft was. Like, yeah. That's... Yeah, but are. that was, a like, a creation game. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. So, from the Nintendo Direct... We're going to jump into a discussion about another sort of announcement program. Mm -hmm. And that's because Pokemon Day, a.k.a. the anniversary of Pokemon Red and Green's release in Japan, was yesterday on February 27th. Again, we're recording this on the 28th. Um, So they always typically annually do what they call a Pokemon Presents. It used to be a Pokemon Direct, but then I think in 2020 they shifted over to a Pokemon Presents format. Yeah. And there were... These tend to have a typical format. There's news on a bunch of mobile games, like Pokemon Go, Pokemon... 
Pokemon Cafe Remix, oh, yeah. Pokemon uh, Masters, yeah, there's Pokemon, a lot of, yeah, there's like, all these gotcha stuff. games yeah. and microtransaction Pokemon games. I like Pokemon spinoffs, but it's gotten a little crazy. With I'm not them. really a fan of the mobile yeah effort. That's what I, that's what I mean because they're all riddled with like, and I know I play a lot of Pokemon Go. Yeah, so I'm kind of being hypocritical here, but like. They have Still, way, that's different. They have way too many of these microtransaction games, and they're not putting out nearly as much like traditional home console games as they used to be. Right. Like the, in terms of spinoffs. Right. Yeah. And some of the mobile games, even well, definitely a lot of the spinoffs are pretty cool, really cool. Like po- new Pokemon Snap. Oh yeah. But um, and even some of the mobile spinoffs are cool concepts, like Pokemon Masters. Oh, yeah, don't forget Pokemon Sleep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's know? an interesting concept, yeah. for sure. Right. Like, who else is making a game about it's not, sleeping? Yeah, it's, it's not like super generic con- game concepts. Like, Pokemon Masters and Pokemon Sleep are two examples of yeah. interesting concepts. I wish that effort was in more of a proper console. I wish console. Masters was on a on console exactly. and not like a microtransaction game right because there's like a lot of cool like story stuff happening in masters right where all these like famous trainers from all the video games are like meeting each yeah other and having... that could be like this cool thing but it's there's like voice acting game. yeah in those games yeah That's the crazy. presentation is really good yeah. um yeah unfortunately yeah. it's on mobile yeah and you you know how we feel about pay to win pay to win but also yeah. Not physical, you know, yeah, going to go like away. It's going to go away. On yeah. a server. Yeah. Um, so there were two... After the announcements about the existing mobile games, there were two notable announcements. One for the mobile crowd, mm-hmm. and then another for the, um, the home console crowd. Yep. So the first one we'll talk about is the new mobile game, which is called Pokemon Trading Card Game Pocket. And what this is, is it's coming out later this year. It's essentially a abbreviated version of the Pokemon trading card game. Um, it doesn't use the existing cards in the game. It might use some of the art from existing cards in the physical real-world trading card game. Mm-hmm. But, like, the moves have been changed for the cards okay. and things like that. People have, like, seen some of the cards and compared them directly to their real-life counterpart. And, like, things are different. Okay. Basically, this is to try to make... The game speedier and quicker, something akin to like Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, mm-hmm. where they found a way to abbreviate the experience so people can like you know play in a five-minute match yeah. online. You know, like otherwise you got to commit to like 15, 20, 30 minutes to play a real match of the trading card game. Right. Now it's interesting. There's already a digital version of the trading card game. Yeah. And now there's going to be this sort of like almost a self-competing product. Yeah. Um, although I do feel like the the version of the trading card, the digital version of the trading card, and the card game that's already out there, it's Pokemon Play, right? Uh, I can't remember exactly what it is, uh, but it's only available in like English speaking territories. It's not mm-hmm. even available in Japan, which is interesting. Well, I know it's browser based. Is it mobile too? The uh, Pokemon Play. Well, they got rid of the old client, and oh. last year they put out a brand new one. Okay. Um, 
So now it's got like a proper like mobile and like tablet app. Oh, I got it. Um, I don't know if you can still access it via web browser. Or oh, okay. Not. I think it might be an app only thing now. Gotcha. Um, I think that's more of a way for like people who are into the competitive trading card game have a way to like practice when they're not at like tournaments and things yeah. so they can play like people online. Makes sense. Um, but this is going to be something that's meant for like everyone because it's going to be more simplified mm-hmm. and they have this mechanic where every day you can open two free booster packs of cards. Yeah. So like the trailer has this like guy walking around doing things in his life and he gets a little chime on his phone and that means, Ooh, it's time to open a pack. Mm-hmm. They just sent me one. And then he like rips the thing off. It's the animations look really nice and slick. Yeah. Um, like the presentation is way nicer than the other trading card mobile game, which has like this kind of janky yeah. look to it. Right. Like it feels like some kind of new grounds game. Yeah. Right. I, I like how they do make the cards like 3d and stuff, you know, yeah. like you can rotate the card and it's like a card. The art in the, well, like some of the art is like even like sticking out yeah. and like coming off the card. Yeah. So yeah, there's this cool new art aspect to the game. Um, where, like, you can, like, really see the art and, like, as you move your phone around, the the card will kind of move around. You'll be able to see into everything. Um, but, uh, you know, just another mobile game from the Pokemon yeah. game. And no doubt you're going to be able to spend real money oh, yeah, to buy these digital booster packs. Total gotcha game. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Don't get hoodwinked by two free packs yeah before you know it you'll be like oh it's only a dollar a booster pack right that's better than i can get at target right but you're not actually getting anything you're you're getting nothing yeah so i mean i don't know if you just get the two free packs and you make decks and stuff i mean sure go have fun but no doubt they want you to spend money yeah and if you're going to be any kind of competitive you're going to have to spend yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I do wonder, like, will they make, like, a true competitive version right. of that? Like, will they start incorporating it into, like, the world championships that they have every year? Like, they have they have the main trading card. I like to see spinoffs represented at those. Yeah, um, me too. Pokken was represented yeah. for a while. Which is cool. Which was Pokemon's fighting game developed by... Namco. Yeah. And the people who make Tekken. Yeah. Hence the name Pokken. Yeah. How is... awesome is that? Yeah. They literally, like... It is it is Tekken Pokemon. It is, yeah. <laughs> God, I wish they'd make a sequel. Yeah. Oh, uh, there was. Well, it was a enhanced, yeah, an expanded port. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it unfortunately didn't set the world on fire, and yeah. they basically sunset it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but the big announcement, which was kind, it was a very. Um, they didn't say a lot. They gave us a two-minute trailer for a new game, Pokemon Legends Z to A. Yeah. So this game is set in the region of Kalos, specifically set within Lumio City, which was the main huge town, the Paris-esque town. Mm-hmm. Kalos uh, is basically heavily inspired by France. Yeah, it was... X and Y's region. X and Y's, yes, which was the first set of games on the 3DS. Yeah. Um, and Nintendo put out a tweet shortly after the announcement saying that this game will be entirely set within the city. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. When I first hear that, I'm like, huh? You mean I'm not going to be in the wilderness at all? Right. But then I'm thinking, 
How oh my the god. The city's gonna be huge. The city's gonna be huge. It's gonna be hyper detailed. There's probably gonna be all kinds of interiors. Mm-hmm. Think about Paris. There's catacombs underneath Paris. Yeah, right. Okay, like now my mind is like, whoa, this has the potential to be some like Pokemon Coliseum level of like mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Um and it's a Legends game, so that means we know it's going to play differently than the normal Pokemon games do. Right. Um, hopefully it keeps some of the catching mechanics. And dude, catching Pokemon in urban environments. Yeah. Like, we've never seen that before. Like, when you go into towns, you don't see wild Pokemon, right. you know? Right. But, like, when you're in a big city... But, you, real but life... you know that Pokemon, from the lore, exist in cities. Yeah. Like, wild Pokemon. Pidgeys perching up on... Grimer and stuff. Yeah. Rotata. So, I don't know. Like, this is really interesting to me. Like, really, really, really interesting. The fact that it's set completely within the city, I think... Like, I I mean, I just imagine different neighborhoods, yeah. different cultures kind of clashing. You're going to have, like, these really grimy areas. You're going to have you know, these really loudy dogs. I don't, I don't set a bunch of expectations before Dude, the game Dude, I comes am up. setting expectations. <laughs> I'm just saying they have the potential... Like, this could be, like, really good. Yeah. Like, it has the potential to be, like, really impressive. I expect it to be good. And I think this is a smart way for Game Freak to handle, especially another game that's coming on the Switch. Mm -hmm. They've done some open world stuff now. Some mixed results. Yeah. So maybe they kind of scale that back a little bit. It can still be a big game, but it doesn't have to be an open world. Right. You know? I don't think it will be. Um... I mean, Legends Arceus wasn't open Yeah, world. even Arceus was broken up into smaller, yeah. distinct areas. Right. Um, so anyways, I mean, I love Legends Arceus. If this is following that same kind of vein of, like, doing something new, mm-hmm. playing with how the game plays, I think that's really exciting. I would rather have this than just another traditional, like, remake game. Yeah. Um, now people were surprised that they seemingly jumped past generation five, mm-hmm. which was kind of the next game in line to get some sort I, of, uh, I'm, it's refreshing to see that. Yeah. Like, cause the expectation has just been, okay, right. they remade gen like, four. Yeah. They're breaking patterns. They're doing something you didn't expect. Yeah. They're being unpredictable and that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, now the title is interesting. Z to A. Mm-hmm. So Z, I mean, maybe Zygarde. Obviously, Zygarde was the the mythic or the Mewtwo esque Pokemon right. of uh, X and Y. Although Zygarde also had a really big influence in Generation Seven. Yeah, he did with the Ultra Sun. In fact, a bigger influence in those games yeah. than he did in X and Y. Um, I don't know. A might be Arceus, and it might be connected. Mm, that's who, true. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, the trailer says nothing. Right. I. It shows some Pokemon, um, like models and stuff. Yeah, which that that's the kind of thing I pay attention to. It's like a wireframe look, right? Sort of wireframe kind of style, but uh, I pay attention to what Pokemon are represented in the trailer because that gives me insight into what Pokemon are going to be in the game. And well, okay, so keep let's. I want to talk about this just a little bit more. So the trailer has like these, it shows these like wireframe Pokemon and people walking around, seemingly a modern day mm-hmm. Lumio City. Right. It doesn't look like it's set in the past. Right. Or the future. Mm-hmm. But the Legends games, from what we know, deal with the past so far. That's typically what a legend is. Well, right? 
we there's only been one legend game. Right. But I mean when you look at the word legend. Yeah. Like a legend is A like legend a... can be a current modern thing. Okay. Um like we have, you know, legends today like, you know. Okay, but as the trailer was going on, like these like old looking parchment papers were like popping up on the screen, right? Mhm. And it had like text and then they would like in Pokemon language and then it would like translate it. Yeah, right. And then it's, it says something about the, like, urban redevelopment of, like, Lumio City or something. Right. So, I don't know. Like, they basically tell us nothing, but they give us all these weird little clues. And, like, you were just saying a minute ago about game showing too much and, like... Yeah. You were saying, like, now players can, like, theorize and speculate. Right. So, that's kind of the mode that I'm in with the game right now. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, I do I do wonder. Maybe it'll be future. Maybe it'll be... Because it's like the redevelopment of a city. Well, so that would... It, it, in the trailer, one of the little lines of text that pops up is the redevelopment of the Lumio City. Oh, gotcha. So that almost sounds like future. Future Lumios? Yeah. Yeah, it might be that. I don't know. Yeah, I could... I imagine... This is a 2025 game, I should mention. Yeah, so, so Pokemon, let's get to that. Like, Yeah, Pokemon has nothing... Pokemon generally always has something yeah. every holiday season for Which like the last I, decade. I don't believe they're going to skip a year. There's no way. It's hard to imagine. They're, they're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, there'll be some news later on this year for sure. I'm in my mind. If not, it would represent them breaking like a, a pattern that they've set for the last decade. Effectively, it might not be a new title. It could be DLC for Scarlet and Violet. Yeah, I wouldn't mind more DLC. Uh, uh, I mentioned when I wrapped up the last DLC, I was like, man, I want to keep spending time right. in this world with these characters. Um, when I was talking about like inferring or speculating, theorizing and stuff, I was referring to mostly like gameplay loop and stuff oh, okay. like that. Showing a bunch of art, showing a bunch of story, and then letting people speculate on how it okay. plays. You know. Yeah, I mean, we have no idea how it's going to yeah, play. Yeah, uh, I mean... I assume it's going to inherit some mechanics from, from Legends RCS. Le- yeah, exactly. I would hope so. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't see how it couldn't. Yeah. Unless it's like, if this was like a, a more of a visual novel or something like that and completely breaks away well, from... Well, it's being developed by Game Freak. Yeah, I don't so see it's it. it's not like I a spin-off team or something. I don't see it being that different mechanically from... Yeah. I mean, we know it's set entire. The only piece of trivia we know is it's set entire. Not trivia, but the only fact we know yeah. is it's set entirely within the city, mm-hmm. the confines of the city. So, I mean, from that, yeah, you can really only theorize what that even means. Right. But we know we're not going to be out looking at vistas and climbing mountains and things like that, like we were in Legends Arceus. Right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, just, I mean, Mega Evolution is back. Oh yeah, they did tease that. They did tease that Mega Evolution would be returning. Which I'm very happy about that. Because this is an opportunity to give new Mega Evolutions. Yes. To. God, I hope they do it. (laughs) They better do it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Pokemon Go is running out of Mega Evolutions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hurry up, we need to get. So yeah, I really think. They're almost thinking about it from that perspective, mm-hmm. too. Like, if we make new Mega Evolutions in this game, then that well, means... They have Sword and Shield's whole Gigantamax list to play with, too. Yeah. If they wanted to implement that, like Mega Evolutions. They 
they could do that. I mean, imagine Charizard's like Pokemon page. Mm-hmm. You've got two different mega evolutions. You've yeah. got a Gigantamax. I mean, like the amount of like information on his like stat screen is yeah. going to get like yeah. it's absurd. In, in Go, yeah. Um, it's going to look like Bulbapedia or yeah. something, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I think this is smart because I think they know Pokemon Go. Hey, it's like mega evolution the revamp of mega evolution in pokemon go has actually been pretty popular yeah players have responded really well to it i what i like about it is it gives it legitimacy over being just a gimmick for one generation right. and then they ditch it and throw it in the trash and move on yeah i mean legends za will mark the first time they've ever revisited mm-hmm. like now they need to bring back z moves that's like that's where my head's at like honor what you created well yeah because sun and moon had megas and z moves yeah. side by side you can only use one per battle right you couldn't use both right but like they both coexisted side right. by side right and since then each game's gimmick has only existed in yeah, that game exactly alone. and with scarlet and violet we have the terra form yeah stuff you know, but I I don't want to see that stuff just exist in right. one generation and then it's gone. And they're... my hope would be that like this is them bringing back Mega Evolution for good. Yeah, I hope so too. Like them... they they did represent it in like Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu, and it's represented in Pokemon Go. So it's yeah. it's more legitimate than just any of the other gimmicks. Yeah, happen. right. Yeah. So hope hopefully hopefully that's a sign of good things to come. Yeah. But anyways, uh, maybe we'll see more on this game this year. It being a 2025 title, Nintendo usually has a presentation in the summer, so it's possible we might get a little peek at it then. Mm-hmm. Um, keep in mind, we're supposedly only weeks away from having Nintendo announce the Switch successor, according yeah. to what uh, you know insiders have been alluding to recently. Right. right. So we'll see. Um, Let's jump into our next topic. We've got Microsoft. Um, last week, we ta- or in the last episode, we talked about their business update. And this week, Phil Spencer sat down with uh, journalist Stephen Toledo to uh, clarify some things. And uh, specifically, he uh, Stephen asked Xbox about the state or, uh, sorry, asked Phil Spencer yeah. about the state We're, we're of on Xbox. episode two tonight, guys. Yes. Um, and Phil said this about the state of Xbox. He said, I don't think we're doing a good enough job finding new players. Let's pick consoles as a good example. We found 200 million global households that play console games. And that number really hasn't changed in the last five, six years. We've raised the price of games. We went through COVID. We found ways of getting more money per player. I think at some point you reach a peak on that, and frankly, it can go to some places that are manipulative that I'm not a big fan of. The solution is to find new customers, and you find new customers through new ways of delivering games to players who can't play those games today. Whether that's device, whether that's access, whether that's price point of video games. Okay, so as refreshing as that is to hear from... CEO Phil Spencer. Specifically, what's refreshing to hear? Oh, uh, the part where he says, uh, 
we've raised the price of games. Wait, where is it? You're talking about when... Oh, yeah. We went through COVID. We found ways to, of getting more money per player. I think at some point you reach a peak on that, and frankly, it can go to some places that are manipulative that I'm not a big fan of. So he's basically saying the players that we have, he doesn't want to milk them yeah, so, too hard. Right. That's what that means. Um, so... Although it's refreshing to hear a CEO talk like that where he's talking from a pro-consumer perspective, we need to remember that he's a CEO yeah. and they talk out one side of their mouth and the other side at the same time. Yeah. And um, what he's, yeah, this is him realizing that they're not going to be able to do this indefinitely yeah they're not going to be able to just jack up prices yeah and you know like they have to look outside of xbox console buyers right for to find more revenue yes they need to like bring more people into the xbox sphere and whether they do it right by he says access meaning like where they get their games the devices they get their games on right and various prices for video games right um which you know does microsoft really need to grow i think they could just <laughs> stay you know like with the people they have and just be content with what they have but you know no yeah, we need it, unfortunately, more. yeah, it's always more. Yeah. Nobody know when especially when you have a public company. Right. Yeah. Just just the status quo, just turning a profit is yeah. not enough. Right. There needs to be a bigger profit. Right. We need every year, we need year on year we need bigger growth. return on our investment. So, you know, screw this consumers more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least he's realized that, like, okay, we, we probably can't push them. Yeah, we can't just keep jacking up the price and, yeah. and nickel and diming everybody forever. So, so I think he's going the best approach about it. If his if his ultimatum is get more money, yeah. then he's got to make decisions that involve sending Xbox games. That involve actual work and not just jacking yeah. up the price. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, so... Spencer also spoke about, I don't have a direct quote on this one, but he spoke about how cloud gaming is not meant to replace console gaming, but more as a means to find new markets that would never be console markets to begin with. Mm-hmm. So he's probably talking about places like India, where they're not really, uh, yeah. they don't really do consoles. Yeah. Like they just haven't caught on over there. Yeah. They're really expensive, mm-hmm. but like if you have a smart TV nowadays... Like, especially certain Samsung TVs, mm-hmm. Microsoft's partner with them to deliver Xbox, like, cloud streaming right. through those TVs. So all you need is a controller. Right. You're thinking about new territories and stuff, and you're, you're, you might be very right. I was thinking about new markets, like new uh, sort of enclaves, like audiences, mm-hmm. like tapping into mobile gamers or tapping into... I don't know, people who like to consume. Yeah, I don't know that Xbox film. really has a lot of mobile no. ventures. Well, okay, now they do because right. they bought King. Right, right. So now they own Candy Crush. But, um, I mean, bringing them in. Like, finding out, like, you know, we have a new way to play games. 
with streaming, mm-hmm. opening up new paths to playing games um, can bring in new people who otherwise were never attracted, mm-hmm. you know, just in general, you know, so I don't know, tapping into other parts of the U.S. market okay, as well as, you know, regions and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I took this to mean that he was, like, wanting to find, like, places where... Because he says places that would never be console markets to begin with. Yeah, you might be right. It yeah. might be a regional I mean, I thing. think phones are... Pro- I mean, everyone everyone has phones. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it, maybe phones are... What, I feel like a lot of companies... Like, Nintendo has put out a lot of, like, mobile games over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And they've all, for uh-huh. the most part, kind of closed. Also, um, I mean, certain moves from Xbox might support what I'm saying in the PC space, like bringing in, again, via new ways to play games, mm-hmm. um, people who game on PC. Well, most of, most Xbox games release day day one mm-hmm. alongside a, on a, PC. A PC, yeah. Sony hasn't. Sony has a strategy where... They wait like a year mm-hmm. before they put it on PC. Right. Um, they kind of broke that recently with a recent with that Hell Divers game, Hell right. Divers Two. Sony's in a different situation, I think, than Microsoft yeah, in that regard. Definitely. But it's crazy. Sony has seen tremendous success by releasing Hell Divers Two on PC day one mm-hmm. alongside PS Five, like so much so that like the de- like players are like crashing those game servers. Yeah. Like, it's, like, insane. And there's, like, a higher ratio of people buying it on PC than on PS5, which is also pretty crazy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Sony's probably rethinking, like, whoa, maybe we should do a little more of this day one stuff. Yeah. Because when you release a game a year or two after it's already been on the market... Yeah, it's old news. Yeah. You're, you're going to have some people that are going to buy it and want to play it. Right. But not the same amount of people as if it was day one across both platforms. Right, because your whole marketing hit has happened already. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're you know, not going to drop another hundred million dollars right. marketing on, on new trailers and everything yeah. for a game that came out on. I your... mean, they do, but they don't, they're not on TV. Right, they're right. just on their YouTube channel. Right. You know? Um, okay. When asked about the 1900 jobs cut from Xbox game studio, Phil said, this is where I, I start to not like him again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he said, I have a commitment to the company on the Xbox business being a profitable and growing part of Microsoft, and I need to put us in the best position for long-term growth. Most of that is about building great products that exceed their expectations and find millions of customers. But honestly, you know the cost of building the products inclusive of the people who work on them. I need to make sure we have enough of the right people and right number of people in the right places for us to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's basically what everyone is constantly saying in these, you know, messages: right. is oh, we have, we need the right people, the right amount of people, yeah, at the right place. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of ballsy that Stephen Toledo asked him about this. Yeah, um, like straight up. But yeah, I mean, he was kind of straightforward and honest. He's like, I. My commitment is not to these people. Right. My commitment is to Microsoft. Right. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's right. I, I mean, that's his job, I guess. Even, even if you're not a corporate CEO and a public 
corporation, mm-hmm. even if you are just the founder of a double A studio or mm-hmm. something, it's it's still your commitment. Yeah, not you know a, as much as as painful as it is, like the well being and future of the company is has to be your number one. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, so in a situation where you don't have the budget to support. I mean, okay, but let's be honest. We both know Microsoft yeah. Oh, yeah, has yeah, yeah. the money. <laughs> totally different. Yeah. Yeah. They're just being... With know. a double A studio, yeah, I, I can understand that like, okay, our last game didn't do as big as we hoped it would. Right. So I can't sustain having a full-time staff while we're concepting the next right. game, you know, so... Rather than having... 20 testers yeah we can get away with just having 12 testers right you know i mean and that still sucks yeah but it's understandable right whereas like microsoft hires basically by by acquiring activision blizzard and king yeah they got a whole bunch of a whole bunch of people that repeat what they already had yeah and so then i mean some of that yes Mm-hmm. But some of it was like straight up just developers, like actual game developers losing their jobs. Yeah, right. You know? Right. Um, like studios who were working on a game and had all those people because they needed all those people are now working on that game with less people than they had previously. Right. Um, so it's not always a case of redundancy, although it is sometimes, especially with like the superfluous kind of non-developer related roles, I think. Well, there are a lot of people, okay... I don't want to get in. Yeah, I'll, I'll save it for our okay. later layoff discussion. Sure. Um, okay. So, lastly, he was asked about physical games and consoles without disk drives. This is what he said. He said we are supportive of physical media, but we don't have a need to drive that disproportionate to customer demand. We ship games physically and digitally. And we're really just following what the customers are doing. And I think our job in running Xbox is to deliver on the things that a majority of customers want. And right now, a majority of our customers are buying games digitally. Mm -hmm. Now before we get to the next topic, or the next um, paragraph, I want to unpack that a little bit. So he's saying we're supportive of physical games. But that's what we don't feel the need to drive that disproportionate to the customer demand. Basically saying more of our customers want digital than physical. So we're not going to emphasize physical all that much. Right. Um, But what he's not telling you is that we created that digital demand that our customers have. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times that's the only option we give them. Right. And through Game Pass... There is no physical game. Pass. Yeah, see, this is you're right. Um, they sort of manipulated the the their customers right into, into buying into digitally, buying digitally, and then they call it what the customer wants. <laughs> wants. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's manipulative. <laughs> that's manipulative as hell. Yeah. Okay. So, and then about a console without a disc drive. This is what he said. He said, gaming consoles themselves have kind of become the last consumer electronic device which has a disk drive. And this is a real issue. Just in terms of the number of manufacturers that are actually building drives and the cost associated with those, and when you think about COGS that we're going to put in a console and you have fewer suppliers and fewer buyers, the cost of the drive does have an impact. But I will say our strategy does not hinge on people moving all digital and getting rid of physical. 
That's not a strategic thing for us. So on one hand, I feel a little reassured yeah. by this. Well, yeah, it's basically the gist of what he's saying is we're not getting rid of it yet. Yeah. And, and um, you know, Mr. Spencer, uh, you don't have to have a disc drive. Nintendo Switch doesn't. Right. Like, you have other options for yeah. physical media. You I know, mean, just... I, what I'm getting from this is that if their next console, maybe the disc drive will be optional. Because what he's mm-hmm. saying here is... Um, I mean, Sony's doing it right. Sony's... Well, they're doing it right, but they're doing it wrong at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. Because they're requiring an online activation for your I'm not drive. talking about the new one. I'm talking about oh, the current okay. PS5. Where they have a digital one. Right. Well, Xbox currently kind of has that too. Mm-hmm. They have the Series X, which only comes yeah. with the disc drive. Yeah. Then they have a Series S, which is technically a different console because the specs are different. Right. That I don't agree with. Yeah. Because now you're... Now developers have to do yeah. double the work. Now you're tying it to like a pro version. Yeah. And exactly. don't do that. Just have people who need the disk drive will pay more. Yeah. Like to have it. Just have that option available. So, yeah, what kind of he's saying here, what he's saying here is that, like, we're including disk drives in every Series X. Right. Whether or not they ever get used or not. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like what he wants is to have an option. So maybe they'll start making less of the disk drive option. Right. And more of the all digital option, right? So that way they they save money, yeah, on something that people aren't going to use, right? Which is the majority of Xbox customers, sadly, are all digital yeah, because they're of Microsoft's own manipulation. Yeah, they're probably the furthest in that direction. Oh yeah, by far. Um, and so it sounds like he's saying, hey, we're going to still, you know, for people who want physical, there will still be a way yeah. for you to continue forward. Right. But, like... We'll leave you a little path off yeah. to the side. <laughs> but, you know, the majority of our customers right. have been brainwashed. Right. Into thinking they want digital. Right. <laughs> by us. Purchasing something that doesn't exist. Or not even purchasing, subscribing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is even worse. <laughs> Um, That's crazy. Because then at the end of the day, you'll have spent thousands of dollars subscribing to Game Pass. Mm -hmm. Like 20 years from now, you're a Game Pass subscriber, right? Right. How many games are in your game collection? Zero. Zero. The moment you stop subscribing, it all goes away. Or the moment they take the service down, it all goes away. It just doesn't make any damn sense. Like, who is so stupid? Okay, I, I don't want to get accusatory. I, I know, but like... Because I know we have listeners who are PC gamers. Yeah, that's fine. I, I respect those people. <laughs> but like, I'm talking about, you know, people's mental state when thinking about this. Logic. Yeah. Talking logic. Like... You know what it is? What makes sense? I think most people, they just don't care. Yeah. Like, I think some of them have thought about it. And they're like, I, I just don't care. Yeah, I just want to play. Yeah. I'm. It's hard for me to yeah. wrap my head around that mentality. Yeah. And I'm trying to, like, what understand it. What bothers me is that those people are going to determine how it goes for us. Yeah. 
and that yeah. I have a problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what sucks is that like we're becoming more and more of the minority. Yeah. You know, whereas a few years ago it was like 50 50. Yeah. And now it's like 60 40. Oh, at the beginning it was like 80 20. Yeah. And it's just growing yeah. smaller. Hmm. <laughs> So Disney has entered into an agreement with Sony Pictures um, to handle all of their DVD and Blu-ray distribution and release. And uh, so Disney's looking to get out of the uh, DVD and Blu-ray game, and they're they're going to Sony. They're they're uh, commissioning Sony to handle all that. Yeah. So that I mean, Disney DVDs and Blu-rays are not going away per no. se. But Disney just doesn't want to do it anymore. Right. Which I, as someone who doesn't really care all that much about Disney myself. Right. I'd rather see Sony get that money. Sure. But uh, I know that's not everyone's opinion. Um, so uh, in agreement with Sony, Disney will hand over the publishing and distribution duties uh, for future and back catalog home video releases of Disney titles. Um. Disney's uh, probably looking at this as a cost-saving measure uh, to cut loose their own internal division, of course. Yeah, I mean, just so just eliminate, you know, like, hey, we've got a whole group of, like, 20, 50 people that work on this. Yeah. Let's let them go. Let Sony do it. I mean... Probably save money and make just as much as they were making before. Right. Because of the cost savings of letting all those people go. So... I mean, we haven't gotten confirmation. I mean, Sony, or I mean, Disney must have a, their own publication department for, you know, DVDs and Blu-ray home oh, video yeah, releases. Yeah, of course they do. So, I mean, these people... Either- with as inflexible as Disney just is in general, with all their partners and everything, mm-hmm. I don't see them doing anything. This is like an out-of-character move for them. Yeah. Um, they tend to keep everything proprietary right. and internal. Um. But so what I'm wondering is, who's just, who's going to decide going forward? Which back catalog titles are going to stay in print? I'm sure Disney will still make those decisions. You think they'll, they'll dictate that oh, to yeah. them? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, they they love to dictate. I mean, so I see this as almost maybe like a reset for mm-hmm. whatever's on the market now. Yeah, might not necessarily be on the market a year from now after this whole Sony rollout has yeah. happened. So I'm thinking, like, if there's, like, older movies that maybe Disney has still been keeping circulating, they might deprioritize some of that. Mm -hmm. You know, because it might be like, okay, well, that's way too many titles to have Sony distribute all at once. Right. You know, so let's just focus on, like, the newer stuff. Right. The garbage. I I don't know how much they're... Yeah, right. (laughs) I don't know how much they're going to bring back old stuff. Um, I know that Disney is notoriously protective of their properties mm-hmm. um, and extremely rigid and inflexible when it comes to other companies making any kind of decisions with anything to do with them. Yeah. Um, when I worked at Technicolor, uh, we did a lot of work for Disney. Their work orders were a different color mm-hmm. and were prioritized over any other oh, work wow. orders. So if you had a bunch of green work orders in your stack, I was in digital distribution, so sending 
you know, sending files back to the client studios. You should have sent them physically. Well, we I'm send them. Di- we no, we have to FTP them onto their server okay. and add the metadata for okay. their database. Right. Um, and then you'd get like a yellow one come through. You put everything aside okay. and handle that one. And the project manager sits with you on Disney's work mm-hmm. orders. That's how Disney rolls. Oh, wow. They're ex- and they'll come down on you, <laughs> like. Yeah, they'll, we'll lose money if a mistake is oh, made. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I know how they are. So yeah, I would just advise anyone, if you like to have certain movies, I know, like, for me, like, I love the movie Rocket Man from the 1997, mm-hmm. and it has a home video DVD release, but it's, like, so obscure and weird. Like, Disney doesn't even have it on their streaming service, Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I would not expect that title to stay in print like it uh, like it's accessible for like 10 bucks right now on Amazon. Right. Do not be shocked if that goes away. Right. You know, those kinds of movies go away. Right. Um so yeah, I mean just just a word to the wise, grab an old Disney movie if you really love it. If it's not on streaming, remember anything on streaming can be pulled at any yeah. moment. Oh yeah, you don't own anything. And these streaming services have showed that they're not afraid to pull their own content. Right. So they don't have to pay royalties. Right to a bunch of people anymore. Right, the distribution like Netflix and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I don't know how much longer DVD as a standard format is going to be around. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. You know, I mean, I work in a library and I order a lot of films and movies for the collection that we have. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed in recent years... Some movies are getting Blu-ray only releases now. Right. Yeah, oh yeah, that's been going on for a long time. Yeah. It's not the it's not the majority, but I would say and it's actually pretty small now that I think about it, but it is happening. Mm-hmm. Um and I presume it will happen more. Although I do kind of feel like DVDs and Blu-rays are kind of hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And if like one goes, the other's probably going not far Behind, after it. Yeah. Um, both are owned by Sony, right? Both for, both formats? I don't know about DVD, but oh. I know that Sony sits on like the Blu-ray yeah. creator, creator's advisory board right. kind of thing. They get a, a portion of every single sale of every Blu-ray that's produced. You're right. Um, I, at the end of the day, this is just more evidence that physical media is shrinking. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, Thankfully, Sony was interested enough to take it over and, you know. Right, but, I mean, like, not every, I mean, Sony's looking at Disney. Oh, sure, we'll take your catalog of titles, no problem. Right. You know, but, like, other smaller film creators and publishers and distributors, if they decide to get out of DVDs and Blu-rays, they might just stop altogether. There might not be someone interested in taking on their work. Not going to be a Sony around to... Yeah pass it off to or that you can afford yeah um sad but not as sad (laughs) as this next story which just broke yesterday Mm -hmm. um and this is sony has laid off 900 people from their gaming division aka Mm -hmm. playstation Mm -hmm. um so we have a statement from jim ryan our boy, our boy Jim Ryan, who's on his way out of Sony. Yeah, but just he's his last his 
second heel is still in the door. Yeah. So this funny. This it's almost written like an article, and it even has a title. Mm-hmm. The title of this article on Sony Interactive Entertainment's like blog slash newsroom is "Difficult News About Our Workforce." Oh. This is going to be tough, guys. So he first addresses a small note to the players or the readers, the people who aren't employees. Right. So I'll read that first because that one's kind of meant for our consumption. Yeah. The PlayStation community means everything to us. So I felt it was important to update you on a difficult day at our company. We have made the extremely hard decision to announce our plan to commence a reduction of our overall headcount globally by about 8% or about 900 people Mm -hmm. subject to local law and consolation processes. Employees across the globe, including our studios are impacted. He's talking about first party PlayStation studios. These are incredibly talented people who've been a part of our success and we are very grateful for their contributions. However, the industry has changed immensely. And we need to future-ready ourselves to set the business up for what lies ahead. We need to deliver on expectations from developers and gamers and continue to propel future technology into gaming. So we took a step back to ensure we are set up to continue bringing the best gaming experiences to the community. For the players, of course. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Below, I've shared a copy of the email I sent out to the company this morning to provide more context on our thinking. We deeply appreciate support and understanding from the PlayStation community as these decisions are very difficult. Please rest assured that our plans for reorganizing and streamlining are so we can continue to deliver the best gaming experiences possible. It's all about the experience for the players. The players. Who else would they be making these decisions for? Yeah, like why else would we be firing 900 people that make video games but for the players? Yeah, it's got to be for the players. Um, so I'm going to kind of skip around this, uh, letter to the developers and mm-hmm. the, the people that are being let go, uh, just kind of get to some of the, the meat on the yeah. bones here. Right. Um, the subject of the email was important update regarding organiza- organizational restructuring. There's that word that I struggle yeah. with. Oh, yeah, yeah. Organizational. <laughs> Ooh, that's a doozy. Restructuring. Uh, <laughs> team. It is important to provide you with updates about the business as often as possible. Today I am writing with sad news. Though discussions over the past few months about the evolving economic landscape changes in the way we develop, distribute, and launch products and ensuring our organization is future-ready in this rapidly changing industry, industry, we have concluded that tough decisions have become inevitable. A.K.A. you guys are all about to get fired. Yeah. The leadership team and I have made the incredibly difficult decision to restructure operation, which regrettably includes a reduction in our workforce, impacting very talented individuals who have contributed to our oh, success. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Compliment them. You're this. so this. talented. You're so great. That we have to let you go. Yeah. After careful consideration and many leadership discussions over several months. There must be a template going around, dude. (laughs) It has become clear changes need to be made to continue to grow the business and develop the company. We had to step back, look at our business holistically, and move forward focusing on the long-term sustainability of the company and delivering the best experiences possible for our community. The goal is to streamline our resources to ensure our continued success and the ability to deliver experiences gamers and creators have come to expect from us. 
I want to be transparent as possible with you, our partners and our community about what this means. Uh, basically, he just says that they're reducing the headcount. There's going to be a redu- or an impact on employees across all regions where they have business. Mm-hmm. Several PlayStation Studios are affected. For those of you in the U.S., employee all impacted employees will be notified today. So that was yesterday. So yeah. everyone in the U.S. getting let go found out yesterday. Yeah. In the U.K., it is proposed that PlayStation Studios London Studio will close in its entirety. So like a straight everyone at that studio yeah. losing their jobs. Yeah. And I have more to say about uh, London Studios in a minute. That well, hold on. London Studio is PlayStation's own first party developer mm-hmm. studio in London. Okay. In years past, they've been primarily focused on PSVR one games. Okay, gotcha. Um. So they also said there's going to be reductions in Fire Sprite Studio, which I'll have more information on in a second. Um, in Japan, they're so they basically they're just talking about each region has kind of certain restrictions, and they have to go through like governmental mm-hmm. things to let people go. Right. Um, so Japan, there's some restrictions. In the UK, they have some restrictions, and then in, people in other countries, you know, they're also beginning discussions. So right. people in the U.S. were let go immediately yesterday because right. there's, like, zero protections for employees in the U.S. Um, for those of you leaving Sony Interactive Entertainment, you are leaving this company with our deepest respect and appreciation for all your efforts during your tenure. For those who will be staying at SIE, we will be saying goodbye to friends and colleagues that we cherish during this process. And this will be painful. Your resilience, sensitivity, and adaptiveness will be critical in the weeks and months to come. This will not be easy, and I am aware of the impact it will have on well-being. Affected employees will receive support, including severance benefits. While these are challenging times, it is not indicative of a lack of strength in our company, our brand, or our industry. Our goal is to remain agile and adaptable and continue to focus on delivering the best gaming experiences possible now and into the future. Thank you for your understanding during this difficult period. Please be kind to yourselves and to each other. Yeah. Jim. That's enough of that crap. Um, you know, the statements by these companies that make these big layoff cuts is like insult to injury in a lot of cases. There's only been like one or two examples of statements that were actually decent. And it's just like so out of touch. I don't see it as a good move. I don't see it as smart or intelligent. It's just, you know, a bunch of word pasta that Mm -hmm. is... Just makes more questions for the person getting let go. Like, if I'm so great, why are you letting me go? Yeah. Uh, So, just... Yeah, every one of these things says that. How great you are. How perfect you are. How much you contributed. You're amazing. But goodbye. What's more concerning, or I guess uh, concerning is the wrong word, what's worse are the companies that have been confirmed to be affected here by Jason Schreier of Bloomberg. Naughty Dog, Insomniac, Gorilla are all facing layoffs. And these are basically Sony's three biggest biggest and like most productive yeah in terms of like income generating right big huge massive temple games yeah 
Naughty Dog and an Insomniac, both like, why would you? That that they should be what Sony is like fighting to protect. Right, those studios. If anyone's being let go, it shouldn't be them. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have Gorilla, who has you know made the Killzone games originally, mm-hmm. and now they've been making the Horizon games, yep. which have become huge. Right. Um. So it's just it's like a head scratcher. Like, why are you knee? It's it's like it feels like you're hurting yourself. You're only going to make your games take longer to make. Yeah. Now, right. like you're not releasing anything this year. Well, you might not be releasing anything next year either. Hmm. Um. Before we get to more of these details, I want to point out something real quick the closure of the london studio is particularly interesting because to me it indicates maybe sony is starting to give up on vr well okay i have i have some details here about the london studio specifically we can jump to that before we we talk about the other two studios that i wanted to mention um so london studios was working on a new game that was set to be a cooperative fantasy game set in modern-day London. Mm-hmm. Live service elements. Um, it was not going to be a VR game. Mm-hmm. It was going to, you know, just do away with that right. um, as a requirement and just be for, you know, anyone with the PlayStation 5. Gotcha. Um, in 2022, London Studios won Game Industry Biz's Best Place to Work Award. Wow. And so just last or two years ago. Yeah. And now, and that's like an award that like people who work there mm-hmm. have to like submit yeah. their own studio. Right. Like, to like tell their story. Yeah. Like, hey, wow, this place is amazing. I love working here. Okay. Here's, here's the real stinger. Jim Ryan, who's yeah. exiting yeah, PlayStation. Like, doesn't like go away. Just you're no, on your way out. Just go wait, away. wait for this. Five days ago. He's been doing this kind of farewell tour at all the PlayStation Studios, like stopping by. Mm -hmm. He was at London Studios five days ago. Wow. Saying like, oh, I'm out of here, guys. Yeah, and like on his way out. There's a picture. I got to show it to you. You know he knew. Like there's no way he did. Yeah, he said over the last several months we've been working on this. Here he is with... Team members yeah, of London Studios right. Take, smiling, smiling, taking a taking big photos. picture with everyone, wow, knowing man. full well that next week they're all, all these people are gone. Yeah, they're all dead. He is a monster. Yeah, that is really bad. Wow, that is. He probably went thinking, well, if I don't show up there, they're going to think that's weird. Right. So I better show up. Right. I yeah. just to cover for this yeah. layoff. Well, we heard he's going everywhere else. Why doesn't he come here? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. That's just heartless, soulless. That's why these guys get paid so much. They get paid like news anchor money. Yeah. Because like news anchors, <laughs> they sell their soul. They deliver bad news. They, de- they deliver like news that they know is false yeah. and, sh- and stuff like that. And that that's what he's doing here. Yeah. He's smiling and giving them the impression they're doing a great job. Oh, this is great, guys. You're, you're all doing wonderful. Okay, I'm out of here. Bye. Yeah. Just... Um, Another UK studio, Fire Sprite, which was only acquired by Sony back in 2021, has canceled their in-development Twisted Metal game and will lay off a number of staff. Twisted Metal was set to make a comeback. Oh my god. No. (laughs) 
No. Yeah. Oh. So the studio is not being closed, but basically it, people who were working on that are gone and the game is canceled. God, dude. They couldn't just let them finish it and then lay them off? Like... You sound like the gamer who's like, just give me my game. I know. It's horrible. I don't want them to leave, but if it's going to happen, at least finish the Twisted Metal game. Yeah. That sucks. Do you remember a couple months ago, uh, during the Insomniac leak, there was like an email from Ted Price that was found where he was like, oh, I heard that they're going to close a studio. Yeah. And that studio was London Studios. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now we know. Man, this sucks. End transmission.